Yeah, I think it's time. Good morning, everyone. Is this on? Can you hear me? Uh, is it on? No, I don't think it's on. Oh, it's on. Is it on? Okay. Just move closer. All right. I'm short. Oh, are you going to switch for me? Okay, awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. We're so happy you decided to join us this morning. Um, so I am Julie Skolmowski. I'm here with my colleagues, Ebony James and Pascal Jean, and we're going to talk about WIC modernization. Um, before I get started, I'd just like a show of hands. Who in here works with WIC currently? Okay, great. So those of you who work with WIC, um, you may have some, you, you may know some of this already or you may have heard it. Those of you who haven't, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Um, we're really excited that you're here. So um, at USDA, WIC is administered out of our supplemental nutrition and safety programs where we administer WIC, the two farmer's market programs, the farmer's market nutrition program and the seniors farmer's market nutrition program, as well as our suite of USDA foods programs. And um, so together, we manage all of those programs. Um, and we are working closely with our colleagues at NIFA, the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, on components of our WIC modernization portfolio. So Pascal is, is actually representing NIFA today. And when she gets to her remarks, she's going to dig more into NIFA's work. Okay. Oh, I went, oh I'm sorry. I, you were moving, and I moved at the same time. So I went a little too far. Um, so we thought, just in case some of you didn't work in WIC, um, yes, is there? Okay, um, so we just want to give a little background on WIC. So um, WIC has been serving families since 1974. At FNS, we administer 15 nutrition assistance programs, and WIC is one of those. Its official name is the Special Supplemental Nutrition Program for women's infants, Women, Infants, and Children. Um, and it is administered by 89 state agencies. So those include the 50 geographic states as well as several US territories and 33 Indian tribal organizations. And we serve low income pregnant and postpartum women, including breastfeeding women, infants, and children up to the age of five. Okay. Um, so in our 50 year history, WIC has been proven to be one of the most powerful evidence-based public health programs available with a long history of improving health and developmental outcomes for children. So I know in this room you probably all recognize that WIC is really one of our flagship public health nutrition programs. Um, so we're very proud of, of WIC's history and the, and the benefit it provides to this particular population. WIC provides a tailored assortment of health, healthy foods, nutrition education, breastfeeding promotion and support, and referrals to other health, community, and social services that families may need. And our WIC food packages are designed through a scientific review process and are periodically updated based on recommendations from the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine. The packages are designed to be rich in critical nutrients for our target populations. Um, and some of those foods include dairy, which we have milk, cheese, and yogurt in the program, as well as eggs, canned fish, peanut butter, tofu, whole grains, and fruits and vegetables. Although WIC offers many benefits to families, unfortunately, we're not reaching nearly enough families right now. As of 2020, our most recent data, we are only reaching one out of every two eligible women, infants, and children. So that right there is why we are modernizing WIC, why we receive this large appropriation to undertake this work because we really need to close that gap and reach more than 50% of our eligible population. And we also know that WIC participation drops off significantly after infants reach the age of one. So our overall WIC modernization goals focus on enrolling all eligible families, making WIC attractive so that families stay on the program the entire time that they're eligible, making shopping simple and convenient so that families can use all of their benefits, and making WIC equitable and accessible for all. We believe that modernizing the program will help us make WIC more helpful and relevant and easier to access. And we believe these are the critical factors we need to overcome to really improve enrollment and retention. So, I'm going to start by painting a picture of our vision for the future of WIC. As we invest in WIC outreach, innovation, and modernization, 
Our overall goal is to make sure WIC is meeting the needs of today's busy families. Obviously, we can't implement these changes nationwide alone, so we're working to be good partners with our state and local WIC agencies and the other stakeholders in WIC. And we're providing a lot of our funding and resources directly to our state partners so that collectively we can take the action that's needed and make WIC a better program. So USDA sees a future where families can choose how to interact with WIC in ways that work best for them remotely or in person, using their cell phones to conveniently share information with the WIC clinic, schedule and confirm appointments, and using text messages to communicate with WIC staff if they prefer not to call. We also envision a WIC experience that is accessible and equitable for all. In all of our modernization priorities, we want to make sure that we're designing a WIC experience that provides equitable access for WIC families and communities of color those who need to fit WIC in along with work and other scheduling needs, families with limited English proficiency, and WIC participants who rely on public transportation or live in rural or remote areas. There are so many we serve with special needs that we want to make sure that WIC is meeting those needs and is something that they feel that they can fit into their day along with everything else in their schedule. So this here, this one slide, lays out all of our WIC modernization goals and the five priority areas that we're working towards. I just want to start by saying that these goals were based on extensive listening sessions with a wide variety of stakeholders, as well as investing in listening to our WIC, WIC eligible populations and our WIC participating populations. So we received $390 million in 2021 to invest in this work. Our goals are to improve the participant experience and advance equity, as I just said, and um, really overall then this will lead to increased um, enrollment and retention and increased redemption of benefits. So our five priority areas are listed on this slide and these, these were shaped based on the feedback we received from our stakeholders. And we're gonna go through some brief information on what's happening in each of these priority areas and what direction we're headed in in this presentation today. So you can see them here, starting with prioritizing outreach, then modernizing technology and service delivery, improving the shopping experience, expanding access to farmers markets, and investing in and diversifying the workforce. Um, so when we started this work, um, we had been seeing a continuous decline in WIC participation over the past 10 years. As of now, in um, the summer of 2023, we are starting to see some increases in WIC participation. You know, they're small, but the trend has started heading in the other direction. Um, so some of the reasons for this, it is a complex picture of, of WIC participation, but some of the reasons for this are economic conditions. Um, also the number of U.S. births, um, flexibilities that have been available since 2020, and we're going to talk some more about those as we move through the presentation, and the increases that we've been able to make available in the cash value benefit for the last few years. In addition to the $390 million, we also received a waiver authority, pretty unique and unprecedented waiver authority to help us move WIC into the future. So some of you already said you um, work in WIC, and I'm guessing a few more trickled in who work in WIC um, since I started, but we have previously announced some ARPA waiver opportunities for state agencies to start to continue some of these flexibilities that have been available during the COVID-19 pandemic. So a lot of our previous flexibilities um, were provided through the Families First Coronavirus Response, Coronavirus Response Act, and um, that authority ends on August 9th. That's 90 days after the official end of the public health emergency. So we're starting to announce waivers that states can opt into to continue offering some of those flexibilities through this ARPA authority now that um, we can no longer use the public health emergency authority. So in February this year, we announced that WIC state agencies can opt into physical presence and remote services waivers. 
um, and that will allow them to continue some of the, the flexibilities that have been available for the last few years to support WIC modernization. These waivers are very important. They allow us, as well as our state and local partners, to have every tool available to test out the best possible ways to provide WIC services. So we do want to thank all of you who are working on the ground at the state and local level who did work through COVID to implement many of these changes. We know it was very hard work. Um, we know it really stretched many of our WIC staff. And so now that we're, um, we are considering that a pilot for a lot of our WIC modernization work. And so we're just kind of starting to look to see how we can permanently change the fabric of WIC in some of these ways that we know our WIC participants valued so much. We've also been offering waivers in the area of shopping, so um, especially online shopping. We're working towards online shopping as an option in WIC, which Ebony's gonna talk a little bit more about. And one of the ways we need to do that is through waiver authority. Um, and so those waivers have been available and many of our states have been accessing them already as they work towards online shopping projects. Um, we are working in modernizing the Farmer's Market Nutrition Program as well as WIC, so we also have waiver opportunities to support FMNP modernization at this time. And we are going to be announcing some additional waiver opportunities in the coming weeks to our state agencies, so more to come very soon. This URL that you see on the slide is where we're, we're posting all the information available on our WIC modernization waivers, including the state agencies that have opted into these waivers. So our first area of uh, where we are focusing is prioritizing outreach. So our overall goal is to make sure all eligible families know about WIC. Um, we know people hear about WIC from friends, neighbors, others in their community. Maybe they hear about it from a healthcare provider, um, but we wanna make sure they always hear about it from a healthcare provider if they're potentially eligible for WIC. So we're supporting outreach in two main ways. Um, we have both a local level outreach effort as well as a national outreach effort. So locally, we're supporting community and local level outreach through our Community Innovation and Outreach Cooperative Agreement, which is, was awarded to FRAC in September. So we have already um, awarded our first round of subgrant opportunities under this cooperative agreement. And these subgrants were made available to state agencies as well as local agencies and community-based organizations, which is pretty unusual for a USDA um, grant program. So this allowed us to widen um, kind of the applicant pool to really get innovative ideas um, to really transform um, WIC services at the community level and make sure um, we're breaking down barriers to accessing WIC. Um, so we're very eager to follow the progress of those subgrantees as they move forward. Um, advancing equity in particular is a big goal of our Chow project. We, we call it Chow. Um, and we will have at least one more round of subgrants available. We're looking for those to be announced sometime in the second half of 2024. The other part of our outreach campaign is to develop and launch a national outreach campaign for WIC. Last year, we awarded a multi-year contract with Porter Novelli to do this work. We're currently in the formative market research and strategy development phase with the Porter Novelli team. They also have a diverse set of partners in communication and community engagement that have expertise working with a wide variety of our underserved populations in WIC. So we're really excited about this campaign and we're looking forward to finalizing our strategy and starting the creative development later this year. We will be providing opportunities for state agencies and other partners to get involved and give feedback in various ways after the strategic plan is finalized. And we're hoping at this point that the campaign will be launching in late fiscal year 2024. Um, so that if you're not familiar with our fiscal years, our fiscal years begin in October. So late fiscal year 2024 would be sometime next spring and summer. Um, and we are looking at creative ways to pilot certain campaign elements prior to the full nationwide launch. And this could possibly include a phased campaign launch that begins in select areas to allow us to make adjustments before rolling out nationwide. We're working to ensure that creative concepts and executions developed in support of the WIC campaign are in languages other than English and that 
they're culturally relevant and personalized for the intended audience. So these materials will be created in language and in culture rather than translated from English. We also encourage state agencies to take this approach when developing materials for speakers of other languages through our, our grants. And we're gonna to touch a little more on the grants throughout this presentation as well. Okay, so modernizing technology and service delivery is a very big part of our work. Um, we, we know that um, technology in many of our WIC state and local agencies is not quite there to implement robust modern ways of doing business. So we're really trying to support our state and local partners in modernizing technology to allow them to modernize service delivery. Um, so our key goal is to improve participants' experience with WIC and to create that modern WIC experience that feels relevant and helpful from the family perspective. So in FY 22 and 23, we have focused mostly on grants to state agencies to do work in this area. We're also working towards um, online applications in WIC, and we're looking at how FNS can best help state agencies in online application um, development and making those available. We found out a lot about what states are doing and are using that information to inform our strategy. And we've been really amazed to see all the work in this space that has been done to date. We're also working on a partnership with the lab at OPM, which allows us to provide human-centered design training um, and technical assistance to state agencies. We want all the work we fund to consider the customer experience and use human-centered design principles. So we're just getting started in um, finalizing a schedule that will be able to include states in those trainings. So if you're here from a WIC state agency, um, we will be reaching out soon-ish um, to let you know when you can take advantage of that training. And last but not least, we're looking toward the future of the WIC Management Information Systems, or MIS. Um, since we know that MIS shapes a lot of the participant and staff experience and affects what kinds of modernization work that state agencies can achieve, both short and long term. We're working towards a strategy in this area with a detailed technical expert and hope to have more to report later this year. So streamlining enrollment is a very big part of our, our work in the technology and service delivery space. Enrollment must be convenient for eligible families. Um, many of our WIC eligible families are already participating in other federal nutrition assistance programs or are already eligible for them. So to truly modernize WIC, we need to make sure that we're making it easy to access and get onto WIC. Um, so every single person who's participating in SNAP and Medicaid that meets one of our WIC criteria, women, infant, ch child under the age of five is already income eligible for WIC. So a big way to streamline enrollment in WIC is to find all of those SNAP and Medicaid recipients in a particular state who are categorically eligible for WIC and let them know about WIC and help them enroll very easily in WIC. Because they're already adjunctively eligible, the process to go through income verification and certify those individuals for WIC is much simpler. Um, so we recently released two policy memos for our state agencies on streamlining enrollment and provided a lot of information on the flexibilities that are available to streamline um, various parts of that certification process. We also are encouraging our states to work with doctors and other healthcare providers to streamline the sharing of information on um, at the point of WIC certification. So the doctor's office has already collected height, weight, hemoglobin, various other measures. The WIC clinic can just access those instead of repeating all of those same, um, same measurements. And we are working towards um, a, an opportunity to support states as they try to work at the state level on engaging with the SNAP and Medicaid agencies to enter formally into legal agreements to share data and then use that to conduct targeted outreach for those families who may not know they're eligible for WIC um, to help bring them onto the program. So that particular um, cooperative agreement, we're in the process of um, 
awarding um, by the end of the summer. And so we should have some more information to share soon. That cooperative agreement will also include some subgrant opportunities for states as well as technical assistance for states who want to do work in this area. So now I'm gonna turn things over to Ebony, um, who's gonna wrap up our WIC modernization priorities. All right, hi everyone. So I'm gonna jump right into telehealth. As we focus on implementing remote and digital services in WIC, telehealth is obviously a piece of the puzzle. USDA currently has several ongoing national studies looking at telehealth and evaluating the increased use of tech technology to communicate with and educate WIC participants. We're looking forward to seeing what comes out of these studies so that we can provide whatever assistance is needed and appropriate to our partners and stakeholders. We think that telehealth is critical to offering a robust set of remote services and fulfilling our vision of the future WIC clinic. We know it won't be the only way to provide services since we've heard loud and clear that many participants really just want texting or phone calls, but we think it does have a place in the WIC ecosystem. One key benefit to telehealth is the potential for WIC state and local agencies to use it to leverage specialized expertise when providing nutrition education and breastfeeding support, especially to our high-risk population, high-risk participants and those who want more hands-on support from WIC. But they may not be able to come into a clinic or they may live in an area where it's hard to recruit and retain specialized staff. So in short, we think there are a lot of opportunities in telehealth, but we need to figure out what works best for WIC in each varied and unique jurisdiction. Improving the shopping experience is another big part of our modernization work. We know from years of research that shopping is a pain point for participants, and we have to solve it because WIC families do not benefit from WIC if they can't find approved foods in the store or if they're not actually consuming the foods. So we're tackling shopping from a variety of angles, primarily through our grants to state agencies. In fiscal year 22, we awarded about $11 million in shopping experience improvement grants to 21 WIC state agencies, which are doing all kinds of interesting things from improving in-store signage and cashier training to working towards online shopping. Summaries of these grants have been posted to our website if you're curious to know what different states are doing. We've also provided funding again in fiscal year 23 that can be used for improvements to shopping, including working towards allowing the cash value benefit to be redeemed at farmer's markets. And we're also working with state agencies to learn what, they've, what they're planning to prioritize so that we can monitor the projects as well as evaluate impacts. We're also working on procuring a shopping journey map and determining how we can best help state agencies in the in-store area going forward. And you know, we'll provide more information on that and you can tune into our website to keep up with that. Additionally, we have been working for several years toward WIC online shopping pilots with our grant grantee, the Gretchen Swanton Center for Nutrition. We continue to work collaboratively with Gretchen Swanson and the subgrantees to move forward. But we're also planning for online shopping beyond these pilots at the same time. This includes working with our colleagues in the vendor management area on the online ordering and transactions rule, as well as determining how to increase our number of subgrants, develop many more resources, especially technical ones, and how best to support state agencies that aren't Gretchen Swanson subgrantees, but they're ready to pilot. We'll have more to come on that over the next few months as well. FNS has published a blueprint for online, shop online shopping, which is a planning resource that state agencies considering new online shopping projects can use. We've also planning for an update to that document this summer to add on things that we've learned from the first year of our subgrant projects. As we talk about improving the shopping experience, we're also working on revisions to the WIC food package to advance nutrition security. If you were here yesterday and you were able to attend, there was a uh, presentation by our colleague at USDA regarding the WIC food package. Um, but these food packages are designed to supplement what participants already consume and fill in specific nutrition gaps for a balanced and nutrition diet. FNS is committed to advancing nutrition security by regularly updating the WIC food packages to reflect the latest science, ensuring that moms, babies, and young children have equitable access to the key nutrition that supports healthy growth and development. Proposed revisions were announced last fall, and it was open for public comments. 
We thank everyone who provided comments on the food package rule earlier this year, and we appreciate your time and your passion for WIC. We received over 17,000 comments, which are now publicly posted, and work is now underway at FNS to review each and every one of those comments in preparation for drafting that final rule. The proposed changes to the WIC food package align with the latest nutrition science to increase variety and flexibility, and also to support individual breastfeeding goals of participants. As with the current food packages, the scientifically-based proposed changes are designed to provide underconsumed nutrients and improve the nutrition and health of WIC participants, while also appealing to personal and cultural food preferences. To stay tuned to the WIC food package and what's to come, you can see the link on the slide, um, and that's where you can find updates on it. As many of you know, we're also investing in the WIC workforce. We believe that providing culturally competent care and ensuring that WIC staff reflect the diversity of their communities is the ideal in WIC. To work towards this, FNS entered into an interagency agreement and partnered with USDA's National Institute of Food and Agriculture, or NIFA, to, the, to combine the expertise of both agencies to tackle this critical component of our WIC modernization strategy. So our colleague, Pascal, who's here, will share more about this effort in just a few minutes. We also want WIC families to know their local farmer's markets and become lifelong customers. Through the Farmer's Market Nutrition Program and WIC Shopping Grants, we're excited to see state agencies working toward mobile pay, not just for Farmer's Market Nutrition Program, but for the WIC cash value benefit as well. These innovations will ensure that WIC and the Farmer's Market Nutrition Program participants can purchase fresh and locally grown fruits and vegetables, and that farmers can participate using similar payment technology that they use with other customers. We believe that moving to these e-solutions, such as mobile pay, is critical to the program's long-term success, and we encourage state agencies to work closely with participants, farmers, and markets to implement in a matter that considers all partners' needs. We've awarded grants in both fiscal year 22 and fiscal year 23, and those summaries for fiscal year 22 are already available on our website, and the fiscal year 23 summaries will be available soon. So our website is displayed on the screen and is updated frequently with information on key projects, so feel free to write that down and bookmark it, or if you just Google WIC modernization, it comes right up. Um, thank you so much for your attention, and I'm going to turn it over to Pascal to share information on the WIC workforce strategy development. Thank you. Good morning, and thank you. First of all, thank you for coming here at nine something in the morning. I promise you, it wasn't my idea to schedule something so early. Hopefully, you guys are wide awake, probably frozen like me, but ready to learn. Morning, everybody. My name is Pascal Jean, and I am a national program leader at the Division of Nutrition in the Institute of Food Safety and Nutrition at the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, or known as NIFA, as mentioned before, at the USDA um, Department of Agriculture. Before we get started, here's our non-discrimination statement. I'm sure you have seen this if you've attended any of our presentations. Next slide, please. I would like to start by introducing the WIC Workforce Development Team. As the team um, mentioned prior, it is comprised of two USDA agencies, one FNS and one um, from NIFA. As you can see, we have a USDA front to present this version to you, but I wanted to show you some of our pictures, nice smiles over here. As a reminder, NIFA is the lead federal agency that provides extramural funding for food and agricultural sciences. In addition, NIFA provides funding and strategic leadership for programs to ensure groundbreaking discoveries in agriculture-related sciences and technologies. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is made up of nearly 100,000 employees who serve the American public at more than 4,500 locations across the country and abroad. At the highest level, USDA is organized into eight program-focused mission area and 10 offices that support the administration of the USDA. Each mission area is led by undersecretary and consists of mission-specific agencies. NIFA is under REE, 
and Dr. Shavanda Jacobs-Young is the undersecretary. What is REE? Stands for Research, Education, and Economics. Is dedicated to creating a safe, sustainable, competitive, and equitable U.S. food and fiber system. REE supports American farmers, ranchers, and foresters, and help build stronger communities, families, and youth through sound integrated research, analysis, and education. NIFO, which is part of RIE, invests in three types of activities, which include research, which provides answers to complex issues, education, focus on strengthening schools and universities to train the next generation in the field of agriculture, and extension, or outreach, which takes knowledge gained through the research and education to the people who need it the most. Partnerships are integral part of NIFA's mission. NIFA is the federal partner in a vast network of scientists, educators, and extension staff that address critical issues about agriculture, food, and the environment and communities. NIFA key partners in is the nation's land-grant university system, which includes the 1862 public universities, the 1990 Historical Black Colleges and University and Tuskegee University, and the 1994 Tribal Colleges and Universities. The Expanded Food and Nutrition Education Program, also known as FNEP, is the national first nutrition education program for families and children who are struggling financially, um, and its oversight of FNEP is through um, NEFA. FNEP and WIC serve similar audiences, and we as in, are a resource to each other in helping families with young children improve their national health and well-being. In fiscal year 2022, 17% of the FNEP adult participants also participated in WIC. WIC is an important referral for FNEP, and it provides complementary yet distinct services for families that are struggling. So thus, the WIC Workforce Initiative has potential to benefit not only WIC, but also other complementary programs such as FNEP. So let's get to the meat of this. The WIC Workforce Strategy Development, which is one of the initiatives that came from the WIC Workforce, is a joint agency initiative between FNS and NIFA. The purpose of this initiative is to strengthen the diversity and cultural competency of the WIC workforce through the goals of increasing WIC participation through reaching those populations that are eligible but not enrolled, and increasing WIC participants' likelihood of adopting nutrition education and breastfeeding support. The priorities of the initiatives is to have cultural representations and culturally responsive to serve historically underserved WIC clients including Indian, Indian tribal organization and territories, and to identify and meet targeted needs that are not captured. Also, the cultural competency of this contest is recognized as broader than just race or ethnicity, but also includes socioeconomic and other cultural factors that may affect the efficacy of the program services. The, WIC, the National WIC Workforce Strategy Development aims to implement a five-year National WIC Workforce Development Strategy that was subsequently implement, implemented by FNS and NIFA as a joint agency. USDA is working to integrate nutrition science into policy, um, systems, and environmental to set people up for success. Finally, collaborating with other healthcare, for, uh, healthcare professionals the food and retail industries and other key stakeholders to create and maximize partnership that leverage nutrition science in an increasingly culturally relevant and textually um, sensitive way. These are the program area description. The project will address the three objectives. The first objective will conduct and analyze uh, key information to better understand the current work workforce as it relates to the project's purpose and goals. The second objective would assess current education and training programs that prepares WIC nutrition service staff 
or provide, continue, and or provide um, continuing education to current WIC nutrition um, service staffs. The third objective would develop a comprehensive national WIC workforce strategy that includes clear objective and specific process and innovation recommendation to increase culturally diverse and competency in the workforce and other WIC staff roles that involve direct client interaction and address barriers to recruitment and retention, included not limited to compensation, advancement opportunities, and known workforce development challenges. The strategy would also include reflection and assumption and rational for decision made in developing the recommendation, including a logic model and implementation plan that would advise how to efficiently support sustained infrastructure for culturally appropriate nutrition education programs, delivery to historically underserved and at-risk populations. Put forth a model for success to help shape the integration of the um, DEIA principles across the broader nutrition education workforce at local, state agency, and federal level. The National Workforce Award will be announced soon, and when I mean soon, very soon, so please be on the lookout for it. Um, we were hoping to have more information for you all by this presentation, but you know how we are in the federal agency, we kind of take our time sometimes. But more to come regarding that, and we're looking forward to having the strategy being written out and moving on to the next step. As always, my contact information, should you have any questions about what we just presented, I know you have an opportunity to answer questions now, but as we mentioned in all our presentation, you guys have all have access to us, please feel free to reach out. Um, and if you have any questions, you may get an out of office message because I'm here, but I'll be back on Monday and respond to all your messages. Thank you for your time. Okay. All right, so it looks like we have lots of time for Q&A. Um, so we'd love to hear from all of you. Um, if you have questions for us, please feel free to come up to the microphone and we'll just answer, uh, take turns answering depending on your questions. Great. Thank you. <laughs> Way to go first. Good morning, friends. Thank you for being here. I don't, is this on? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so wonderful plans. How are we evaluating them? What sure. do we consider success? Is it just an increase in above 50%? Like sustained success, go, discuss. Okay, I'm looking around to see if any of my friends from the Office of Policy Support are in the room. Um, we actually have robust evaluation plans built in not only to the individual work, but also we are procuring um, an evaluator for the overall WIC modernization efforts across our ARPA priorities. Um, for those of you who work in government, you may already know this, but um, the White House is also very interested in evaluating ARPA funding and ARPA funded work. So there's, there are many levels of evaluation happening on, on this particular work, um, as well as the body of ARPA funded work. So at the basic level, we want to know does WIC participation increase because of some of the things we're doing. Well, we're doing a lot of things. So the evaluation will also be designed to determine kind of which of those things did what in our grand scheme of um, WIC modernization work. Um, so that's a very kind of high level overview, but rest assured um, we are expecting um, evaluation at many levels throughout this process. Um, for example, um, the agreement we'll be announcing soon that Pascal discussed will include evaluation as part of, of that particular agreement. Our, all of our contracts, all of our cooperative agreements that we've awarded to date include evaluation, have strong evaluation partners um, up front. Okay. Other questions? Yes.
My name is Lydia. I'm with USDNIFA. Great presentation. Thank you, all of you. So my, my question, it's probably a comment or a question. Uh, just share a little bit more about um, the outreach, especially to college students. I was a non-traditional college student and needed WIC, and I did get WIC, and it was so helpful. So I would like to hear, like, there's a, a lot of food insecurity in college campuses. How is that, what, you know, how is your outreach plan for that? Just share a little bit about that. Thank you. Okay, absolutely. So, um, and is there something you can talk about? Okay, or you can I can address. I can address Chow and how we're kind of handling this in Chow. So, as I mentioned in our community innovation and outreach cooperative agreement, we've asked our state and <coughs> local and community partners to identify a particular need in their community and apply for a subgrant to address and test that out. So we've just awarded 36 cooperative agreements that are all using um, innovative approaches to different types of outreach with different needs they have in their community. And I can't offhand speak to all of them, but we have, um, FRAC has launched a website. It's hellowick.org. Um, and there are details about every single one of those subgrant projects and what their plans are. Um, they do have quite a diverse um, spectrum of, of target audiences they're reaching in, in different ways across those subgrantees. Um, we will have another round of subgrants, so anybody who has a need or an idea can look forward to submitting in that next round and hopefully receiving funding to um, to work towards that in next summer. And Ebony, do you wanna to speak to the outreach campaign? Yeah, um, so in addition to what Chow is doing, we have a national outreach campaign that Julie um, mentioned in, while she was presenting. And uh, currently we've we wrapped up some focus groups that took place, but they're looking at the WIC participants, those that are actually participating and those that are eligible to participate. They did focus groups with them, um, so they're, you know, kind of, they're streamlining our target audiences. So it would include like the college student level um, and others, but this national campaign is going to target, you know, for instance, if you think about like social media, so it's gonna be targeting the Instagram folks, the, I don't think they're going into Snapchat land, but Facebook, yeah, TikTok is on the, you know, TikTok is gone, but Twitter. <laughs> and also things like media ads, radio ads, that's where that campaign is going to focus. But like I said, right now they're still streamlining the target audiences, but they're gonna reach out to those, like those college campuses through that way, through the media and what people are currently using within like that 18 to 35 year old um, age range. So you'll, you'll see that coming, like she said, probably maybe late fiscal year 2024. Um, but we're really excited about it. We're expecting it to be great and, and wonderful and um, we're working towards that. So definitely stay tuned. And again, please contact us if you have feedback or things you want to you know, suggest or maybe an angle that we might not be looking at um, that you think may be unique to either your experience or to those you know, we'd be very interested in hearing about it. One last thought before we take your question is, um, as I mentioned, everybody who's eligible for SNAP is already income eligible for WIC. So we understand that there are many community organizations that are really working hard to make sure um, people know that how to get SNAP, including college students, um, but they're not necessarily talking about WIC when they help somebody find out that they're eligible for SNAP. So we really, if you work with any of those organizations who is doing that work at the community level to connect individuals to our FNS nutrition programs, um, we would like everyone who's doing work to connect and help individuals apply for SNAP to also help them find out where they can get WIC. Um, uh, if you are not super familiar with WIC, WIC actually has a higher income eligibility requirement than SNAP. So another thing um, we, we hear and have heard is that um, maybe somebody doesn't realize they're eligible for WIC because they think they make too much money, but the, um, the base income eligibility for WIC is 185% of the federal poverty level with all the various uh, adjustments and factors that go into that, and it's 130% for SNAP. So we have um, a lot of people who actually do have, um, who are working in, in a professional job who may not realize that they're also eligible for WIC. Your question? 
Hey, um, my name is Teresa. I am the FNAP coordinator at Auburn University in Alabama. Um, so I'm thrilled to hear more about WIC and, and how we can partner. So I'd love to know more about how you guys envision nutrition education programs intertwining with this new modernization push and to help with the enrollment. Um, at the local level, I think sometimes there's some confusion about how we work together and how we do complement. Um, a lot of times we get pushback that we're duplicating services and more nutrition education is always better. Um, so I'm just curious how you see that working together and how we can meaningfully incorporate WIC enrollment and, and um, promotion into our programs. Okay. So at a basic level, nutrition education is required to be offered in WIC and then ideally somebody is accessing nutrition education along with every recertification period which is um, once every three months. Um, but our WIC clinics do operationalize the nutrition education that's available in a lot of ways. So um, it's really locally that has determined what is provided and how that is being offered to participants. But WIC nutrition education can include a wide spectrum of, of types of nutrition education activities. Sometimes that's an in-person, one-on-one conversation in the WIC clinic. It could be a group activity or class at the WIC clinic. Um, with remote services, um, if clients aren't coming into the WIC clinic, then then our, our WIC providers need to find some other ways to provide remote nutrition education. Um, I have seen in some places, um, our local agencies are offering classes on Facebook Live, um, or they're partnering with a variety of community organizations. So there's a lot of ways this can be done. Um, and you know, I, I think we just hope our, our WIC participants choose to, to um, take the opportunity and use what they learn in those classes. As far as kind of overlap and how to forge those connections at the local level, um, Pascal, is that something you sure speak more to? I just wanted to add to it. I think um, depending on the local level, as you mentioned, sometimes it's hard when you don't have that relationship. And what we find that those that are successful at it is to build that network reach out to your local WIC office or FNAP office and see how we can collaborate. Because you guys are serving the same population and how we can make sure that we are targeting the population. Definitely opportunity. Uh, one of the things we want to do to the workforce is kind of learn from the best practice as well. We know some states, some counties within some states are better at it. They found a way to kind of communicate and kind of collaborate on the efforts. Uh, but definitely one of our goal, overall goal within the federal or nutrition world is to kind of join our resources and make sure we're not duplicating efforts and really providing our clients, our audience, our participants with the best knowledge. So as you mentioned, um, cross-referral, if they are at um, FNEP, we know they qualify for WIC, refer them to WIC, same thing with WIC, but that partnership, um, unfortunately, cannot happen at the national level. It has to be at the local level and just meeting at meetings here at SNAB, meeting at the local meetings and just collaborating and making sure it happens. Thank you. Yes, Nancy. You can walk. <laughs> we have lots of time. So sort of to speak to your question about collaboration between programs, sometimes what it comes down to is um, information sharing agreements and confidentiality. And so um, you have to work out those uh, sharing information agreements between programs because if you don't have that, then you can't share that. <laughs> Thank you for adding that. Thank you so much. We love a group dialogue. Okay. Hi, Virginia Gray. I'm nutrition faculty at Cal State Long Beach and also director of a training program for students and a research um, initiative focused on diversity. So my question's about the diversity workforce uh, work that you guys are engaging in. I'm just wondering, you know, what we see a lot is trying to address diversity at the once students arrive to university or even drilling down to the community college, but as high schools are often moving into these tracks of, you know, helping students select a career path that early on. I'm wondering if um, you envision that diversity training, like really helping high school students in diverse communities seeing public health work or even work for WIC as part of, part of what they uh, envision for their futures. So I want to say overall we're looking to the development of this national strategy to really make some recommendations for us, but we see that the 
um, we are going to need multiple solutions to both di our diversity and our cultural competency goal. Um, so yes, we would love to see more students recruited at the high school level into public health nutrition. But if you talk to our WIT clinics right now, they say, I can't wait eight years for something to change, right? So that, that is one way that we hope there could be um, some recommendations and, and some strategies that we can move forward with. Um, we also know, um, looking around this conference, um, dietetics is not a very diverse profession. Um, so we really want to look at all of the staff in a WIC clinic and think, think about how an, the entire WIC staffing model can reflect diversity. And so um, the, the nutritionist and, and the credentialed nutrition professionals in WIC, we see that as a longer term, larger hurdle than perhaps finding ways to recruit community members into some of the other positions that WIC offers, including administrative and clerical support, um, some of our, our peer, um, our peer counselor positions, some other things. Um, so in WIC, um, you know, the, the value of, of a WIC family or a WIC mom speaking to somebody who understands her culture can still be realized when talking to somebody, anybody, <laughs> at the WIC clinic. So we're trying to think holistically about WIC staffing and WIC staffing models and how best to um, think about diversity for all of those customer-facing positions so we can start to see maybe some actionable solutions that have um, a shorter timeline than, you know, college, graduate degree, credentialing process. But yes, absolutely, we are looking at what you've, you've suggested. Hi, I was just gonna add a little bit to that. Yeah. Um, my name is Danica and I work for the Kansas State WIC program, but I also worked at the local level in Detroit, the Kansas City metro area, and rural Oklahoma, so I've had a very diverse experience in WIC, and we are actually having discussions in Kansas now about expanding our CPA role, which is like the nutrition staff role, because in Kansas, we require that to be a nurse or dietitian, so we don't have a lot of diversity in that. But when I was in Michigan and Oklahoma, they allowed uh, other people to be in that role, and they went through like a training process. So like when I worked in Detroit, we had um, staff who were, they might have had a degree in dietetics or nutrition, but they didn't become a, di a dietitian. And we also had a couple doctors, they were doctors in Iraq, but they didn't become doctors over here, and so they were able, they had, could speak Arabic to our Arabic-speaking clients, so we had a lot more diversity in Michigan, um, and the potential for that in Oklahoma as well, so that's why we are having conversations about that in Kansas, so I think, yeah, like, there's a lot of different ways you can go about it now, and so. Thank you so much for adding, adding that comment to the conversation. Yes, I was going to say thank you for mentioning that because I think a lot of time we're thinking the nutritionist, the healthcare professional has to be fit that mold, but what we're finding out and in learning from our partners that do other community work, you don't have to have the dietitian. You can have a staff or somebody else, but having different um, avenue to it. Yes, we want to increase the diversity in the nutrition field, nursing field as well, but what can we do now to make sure that we start working on different ends? So. It could be a start where they come in and then as a CPA, as she mentioned, and then move up and maybe have a program within the WIC clinic that they probably can become registered dietitian at the end. So definitely looking at every opportunity um, to see how we can move forward. As the work field is changing, everything's changing, we, we as uh, the profession needs to change as well. Did you want to add anything? Yeah. Okay, thank you. All right, Christina. Um, hi, I'm Christina Chauvenet. Um, I'm from the National WIC Association. Thank you all so much um, for this uh, presentation. My question's for Ebony. Um, and first, I just want to say I really appreciate the discussion around diversifying the WIC workforce and kind of coming at it from both ends, because I think that's so important and something that we hear from all from our members. So, um, but yeah, so I had a question about the farmer's market work. So great to see, obviously, the EFMNP transition. And you spoke a little bit about the transition to CVP at markets and increasing that. And I was just wondering, because obviously most of that, the grants so far have been around EFMMP, which is fabulous. Um, is like CVB stuff something that we could expect to see in the next round of grants? Do you know? 
It was included in our <laughs> FY23 grant. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So um, we added emphasis on working towards um, making CVB transactions available to the farmer's market in, in the scope of work for the FY23 WIC modernization grants. So we might see more come out about yeah. that in future. And, and the farmer's market nutrition program, um, the farmer's market modernization grants also included that. Right. Um, I think we're trying to learn from states on what, what they need for that. Sure. Um, but we definitely want to see states move in that direction and um, would love any other yeah. feedback you have in that area. Very exciting. Okay. We, should, we should chat afterwards. All right. Does everybody know the CVB, that's the cash value benefit um, in WIC, and, and it has gone up quite significantly in recent years, so that's a really big um, in increase for families. Okay. Any other questions? We know it's a Saturday. Hi. Um, oh, too short. I just had a question about, um, I know you talked a lot about cross-referencing for people who are eligible for SNAP, but what about reaching the people who aren't eligible for SNAP, especially immigrant communities? And then on a second question that's related, like tackling the misinformation among these communities about SNAP and WIC programs because they're hesitant to join. Can you talk at all about, is that being Very good point. I think that's one of the things we want to address as well um, when we talked about what are some of the issues is there's a lot of misinformation, especially under underserved population mm -hmm. when it comes to utilizing any um, federal program. There is a stigma associated with that. So I think part of the strategy is to kind of target that, see what are some of those sensitive things that already exist within certain different communities and address that. So I think one of the things we want to do is kind of have um, at least in my head, I was like, have a community of people mm -hmm. that help them um, diffuse that. Maybe get WIC participants to kind of help us, hey, what are some issues happening within your community? How can we um, have a, maybe a campaign or something to kind of educate it? And we all know that they're all dealing with different issues. So that's definitely something that we're looking at within the strategies, within everything that we have in place to move forward and how to attack it, not only the workforce, but also that part. And I I'll let FNS add it. And I'll say some of our child sub-grantees in particular are focusing on particular immigrant and refugee populations in their communities. Um, and people do need to know about WIC and know what the requirements are um, for WIC to know if they can access it. So some of those things kind of are best happening, it's best for them to happen at the local level. Um, most people aren't, you know, following us on Twitter or, you know, some of these high-level USDA things, but we certainly hope and encourage our state and local WIC agencies to, um, to find out what is preventing people from being, um, from, from knowing they're eligible for WIC and then to address that. We're encouraging a lot of work in our, in our grants um, in human-centered design, so really listening um, convening and listening to participants and non-participants in in your state or local area and finding out what is preventing them or what are the barriers so that those those can be addressed. So that's one way where we're supporting states. We're also supporting states in um, they can use those funds for making materials and information available in languages other than English. As I mentioned, we're encouraging that materials are developed in another language and not just translated from English. Um, so, you know, we're trying to provide some tools for states to facilitate that work um, through the funding we've received. Um, and if, I think that was every, I already mentioned the child subgrantee. So there definitely are some projects there. Um, one thing I'll mention about WIC um, that I think some do not know is WIC does not have a citizenship requirement. So I think it's assumed as a federal benefit program in a lot of places that WIC has a citizenship requirement. I um, staffed an exhibit table at the National Hispanic Medical Association Conference and almost every Hispanic medical professional who came to talk to us did not know that WIC did not have a citizenship requirement. So that I see as a huge barrier in some populations if it's assumed that somebody's gonna ask for documentation, you would not want to go to that office. Um, the, the one exception that Indiana does, does require citizenship, but they're the only state that currently has um, a citizenship requirement. Um, in addition, the national outreach campaign that we were referring to also has uh, a bucket of of funds that is 
you know, directed solely towards like multicultural groups and low English proficiency populations. So it will have a section just carved out with a campaign direct, you know, with direct targets to those populations to make sure that people know what WIC is, that they're eligible, how to, how to get onto the program and everything like that. So that, that will also be coming with that campaign. Hi. Um, you all had mentioned before about streamlining the process, like an enrollment and mm -hmm. like working with healthcare providers. I was just curious: is that happening, or is that a conversation, or like, and, and within the healthcare community, how is that being received? You know, in terms of that streamlining process. Just curious. So, um, in some areas, our local WIC clinics already have relationships with with the health um, providers. That this is already happening. Um, so again, you do get into legal agreements. So it depends on that that legal process Nancy mentioned and having that that sharing kind of formalized. But it is actively happening in some places. And then we did just cover um, data sharing with doctors and some of the considerations states can think about um, if they want to move in that direction. State and local agencies. Um, so we're, we are currently making it known we encourage that and it is possible in WIC, um, but as far as what the healthcare providers think of that, um, I think some healthcare providers have formed very robust relationships and are very involved with WIC and the WIC population in their communities and other ones maybe not so much, so that would definitely vary depending on that that provider's kind of awareness and engagement with WIC in their area. We're encouraging our, our WIC state and local agencies to actively form um, partnerships with the healthcare network in their area as well. And I guess a second part yeah. of that is I'm wondering like primary care like providers, you know, like in, in like rural communities that might be, they might be more amenable, I don't know. I was just kind of curious about that whole process. It sounds interesting. I mean, I think a lot of this comes down to kind of local relationship building, yeah. finding out who in your community works with a similar um, <coughs> population and having that conversation and seeing what can be done and um, so, we, I think also yeah. how the WIC offices are implemented. Yeah. I used to work for WIC in Florida, and it's operated by the state. So all the state clinics, all of them, there was a yeah. mutual agreement where there was a natural um, referrals and things like that. It was just within yeah. the thing. So I think depending yeah. on the state, as you mentioned, you may have to have yeah. an agreement. We also have some of our child subgrants are specifically focusing on strengthening and building relationships with the healthcare partners in their communities. Okay. Thank you. Thank Welcome. you. I love that we just keep getting an, <laughs> slowly standing up and walking into the microphone. Hi, my name is Kelsey Baez. I am a researcher at Texas State University, and I work with uh, Dr. L uh, Leslie Biedeker Friedman, um, and we work with uh, Texas WIC in the development of a chatbot there. Um, and whenever we launched the chatbot, uh, part of the process in doing that and part of the mission of it was to be able to um, guide people to be able to determine eligibility. Uh, we launched it primarily, firstly, in English, and then secondly, we had a Spanish. Uh, and then the research, the context of research um, in the literature is showing that there, that different uh, diverse backgrounds and monolingual people may use technology differently. And I know that um, a, a big push is for technology innovations. So my question to you all is, how can we bridge technology to promote equitable access across diverse populations. That's Thanks. excellent um, insight into um, kind of what you've learned about the, the use of technology across different populations. We really want to empower our state agencies to take these funds and do what they need to do to work better in their communities by engaging partners in their community, like your partnership with the Texas Department of Agriculture. Um, I mean, that's really, it's probably not the Texas Department of Agriculture. I'm used to, I, I, I just came from many years working in schools where we <laughs> the Texas, not the Texas Department of Agriculture, we just went to visit them. Um, but we really want to empower states through these funds to engage the right partners to do that human-centered design and the other work that they need to do to truly understand their community and what works in their community. Um, and even, you know, when you start building these, these pieces, um, 
you know, message testing and message development is a very important piece of that. And, and all of that um, does take work directly with that community in a particular place. So it's very hard for us to do that at a top-down level at USDA, that, that work is better done um, at the state level. And so we're just doing our best to provide um, funds and opportunities for the states. I know that means they have a lot of paperwork to fill out, and we're sorry about that, but um, it is um, really the value of making that funding available at the state level. I think one of the things also we're looking at different aspects, because one of the population we know that with is um, the rural population, and technology really is not the best approach for them. So really looking at different ways, mm -hmm. not just one avenue, but all the different avenues depend on the population and their needs and um, resources available to them. Any other questions? Well, we're happy um, to stay up here if anybody um, has something you wanna come and talk to us about um, without going to the microphone. We will stick around. Um, we thank you for your time and attention today and thank you for coming to learn a little bit more about WIC and our WIC modernization work. Thank you. Thank you.